Welcome to the AGA Podcast, where we bring you small talk on big topics from within the world of gastroenterology. Thanks for being with us. Now let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the AGA Podcast, small talk, big topics. It's your bonus pod from DDW 2021. Matthew Whitson here, one of the hosts, here with Dr. CSC. Hey, CS, how are you? Doing great. Thank you. This is so amazing this year that we're recording during virtual DDW 2021. I know. I've missed you these whole six weeks while we've been on sabbatical. <laughs> That's right. Now we're back with a bonus session as a recap, talking to none other than the AGA chair, Rhonda Sousa. I know. I know. So first off, how has your DDW been going? It's been really fun, really great. I think both as a presenter, as an attendee, you get to see both sides. And I think they really did a great job this year for making it go smoothly, yet virtual, and also have networking sessions. So I think this is really, really fun. And not only that, you can engage after the session, too, um, for several months as well here. There's always two sessions I want to go to at the same time. As you know, I split my time med-ed, esophagus, and sometimes those really kind of go against each other. So the idea I can go back and actually catch the session and then reach out and kind of collaborate that way is is fantastic. And then, you know, with Rhonda Souza here, I'm just really curious, how the heck do you put together a monstrosity huge conference like this? It's got to be an undertaking. I'm sure they started like at least six months, if not like six years ahead of time. So <laughs> yeah, 10,000 <laughs> attendees and now virtual new platform. Wow. So tell us all of that and the background kind of behind the scenes, what it takes, how long it takes to put this all together and the thought process that went into making it go so smoothly. Yeah. So it's going to be exciting to talk to her. I mean, if you've met her before, you know, she's wonderful. And, you know, as a prolific researcher and scientist herself, I'm sure we're going to get some mentorship tips as well, which always excites me as well. And she's so down to earth, I think. She gave some really great advice to young trainees about how to get started, get motivated, get your first mentor, for example. How to collaborate. I think that advice is going to be a winner for everyone. So without anything else, let's get into it with Dr. Rhonda Sousa. Good morning, Dr. Sousa. Thank you so much for coming on with us at AGA Podcast. Would you mind taking a moment to introduce yourself? Great. Good morning, CS and Matt. Thanks for the invitation. I'm Rhonda Sousa. I am co-director of the Center for Esophageal Diseases at Baylor University Medical Center in Dallas and co-director for the Center of Esophageal Research at Baylor Scott & White in Dallas. And thank you for inviting me as chair of the AGA Council to talk to everybody about uh, the first ever virtual DDW. So we're in the middle of the virtual DDW this year. How has it been going for you? Are you taking a sigh of relief? Are you feeling good right now? I'm feeling good. I am taking a sigh of relief because <laughs> I, I, I've heard nothing but positive comments about the meeting, about the platform. It's been very easy for people to navigate and get into sessions. A few little fires that I've heard about, but nothing major. And fires virtually, we have fires when we're in person. So just these minor little glitches have been like pretty amazing. We thought there was going to be crashes and people not being able to get in. And we really haven't heard that much about it. So for the largest GI conferences of this caliber, usually I remember in person, it's like 20,000 people or so. So virtually, how does it work? Is it pre-recorded, live, a hybrid? 
to make it engaging and yet not run into these tech glitches? Yeah, so for this meeting, we before we picked the platform that we're using, we had the AGA Council staff, and we can talk about AGA Council in a minute, they had gone to a couple of virtual meetings, big ones, small ones, and sort of interviewed the types of platforms that are available. And for a meeting this size so that there wasn't going to be any glitches, we decided on one where everything was going to be pre-recorded. That way, in case somebody couldn't get in, and even for our international members who are giving talks, nobody was up at one or two o'clock in the morning in order to give it live. So that's how we ended up doing the recorded talks. And then those of you, hopefully everybody listening to this has been to DDW for the last two days. Today's you know the last day. You have your live engagement, either with your live chat, where we asked all the speakers to be at the other end of that chat to answer your questions. And then other sessions are going to have it live where you can actually see them answering your questions in real time. And I think that mix-up has been really, really nice. I haven't heard nothing but positive feedback about it. So, I mean, CS was mentioning the, the sheer size of it. And obviously, putting this together on a virtual platform is a huge undertaking. But I feel like just accomplishing a successful DDW is a huge undertaking. So as one of the leaders of DDW this year, how did you go about crafting it? How does a big conference like this really come together? Yeah, we can talk about that. And actually for virtual DDW, you have over 10,000 people who registered for it. So we've got, you know, over 10,000 folks on our platform. Awesome. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So the way that AGA Council works, I mean, we're underneath the AGA umbrella, but we're sort of separate from the regular AGA committees that some folks that you can recognize, like the Education Committee, you know, and the Women's Committee. So AGA Council, I'm chair of AGA Council. So I get to oversee sort of every what everybody else is doing. And then council's divided into 13 sections. And their sections are sort of the little names you would recognize when you look at a session. It says sponsored by esophagogastric duodenal disorders or basic and clinical intestinal disorders. So those are the 13 individual sections of council. And they're focused on sort of disease relevance or disease location. So we have like pancreatic disease. So it's all diseases of the pancreas. Gastrointestinal oncology. We have liver and biliary pediatric gastroenterology and developmental biology, obesity, metabolism, and nutrition, clinical practice, cellular molecular gastroenterology, endoscopy technology and imaging, and immunology, microbiology, inflammation, and inflammatory bowel disease. So I think that's all 13 of us. So now you have 13 sections, and each section has a chair and then a vice chair of that section. So those are the two folks that really put together all of the educational offerings underneath your section umbrella. And who helps those two? So it's not like those guys are doing like all those invited speakers and all. They are, but not just themselves. So you have counselors for each section. So at DDW or now virtually, you probably have about 10 to 12 different counselors that will meet with the chair and vice chair and will help suggest hot topics in that area of your disease. So you can get sort of a broad picture and get your pulse on what's going on within your section to help you generate those invited speaker sessions. Who are the hot speakers? What are the hot topics? Who does everybody in the membership want to hear from? And then your chair and vice chair also put together your abstract review committees. So as you can imagine, every descriptor, when you go to submit your abstract, there's a a review committee and that's going to be you know, five or six people, right? 
So you can see we sort of have your grassroots who are your reviewers. Then those come into your chairs and vice chairs. Then you have your counselors who come into your chairs and vice chairs. And then your chair and vice chair have to look at everything that they've gotten from the, the whole membership and then put together your program. And then me, I just kind of look at what they did and make sure it, <laughs> it sounds good and that it's all encompassing. And the other thing that I get to do is, as chair is I always think of DDW, it's, it's AGA. It's just AGA. In fact, it's not. There are three other societies who participate at DDW. We've got AASLD, ASGE, and SSAT. And so what I get to do as chair is I will go to the meeting with the my counterparts from all of those other societies, and then we try to do some DDW offerings, which are cross-societal programming. So that's kind of a, a cool function about my job is I get to interact with the, the other society program chairs. Do the other program chairs and you kind of look for overlap that doesn't necessarily need to happen or this session may be redundant. How do we just expand it so the overall offering is? Yep. So we do that within AGA and we look for overlap as a group. So the 26 of us, so all the chairs and vice chairs and myself, plus the council staff, probably at least five or six times as we're generating the program. And then once the AGA has the program and ASLD has their program, we go over overlap at least two to three times after that. I guess in the past, we used to have lots of overlap between them and, and our members were not happy with that. So we've really tried to narrow down the amount of overlap. The topics may overlap, but the individual talks within the those sessions are, we try to cut that down for overlap. This may be a dumb question, but when did you start planning for DDW 2021? Was it 2019? Was it 2020? I, it'd have to be so much time. So right after DDW, the AGA council staff is exhausted. So usually we have like a week off and then we start planning for the next one right away. So our council breakfasts with our chairs and vice chairs are going to happen around the first week in June. And by the time we have our meeting at the end of July, we have pretty much fleshed out all those invited speaker sessions. Wow. Right. But that timeline changed last year, given COVID and kind of like it was canceled in the midst of COVID, obviously. And that rocked the boat or really was like, OK, you know, June, July came along and let's plan for the next one. You know, we were all very disappointed that it was actually canceled, but we hadn't planned ahead for a virtual format. So we didn't have a platform. We didn't have anything. So as soon as we decided it was canceled, the staff started looking into sort of virtual platforms, virtual meetings, and we had our first ever virtual counselor's breakfast. And we had our July meeting virtual, which we've never done before. So by the end of July, we had invited speaker sessions all mapped out again. I will say, those of you or if you guys are interested in being counselors and those folks who are listening who might be counselors, right, that counselor's breakfast is usually at DDW at 6.45 in the morning. <laughs> so, can I, <laughs> so can I tell you, people who are doing it now virtually at like, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning, 9 o'clock in the morning, or at the end of the day at a normal time, I have a feeling that counselor's breakfasts may now all be virtual so that nobody has to attend a 6.45 a.m. meeting. 
And just to be clear, that's right before the session on work-life balance, I assume. That's right? exactly right. <laughs> now the uh, counselor brunch. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now it's counselor brunch or counselor dinner or counselor happy hour. <laughs> How about next year's DW 2022? Are there any plans on it being virtual, hybrid, in person, or really too early to tell? No, we're already starting to think about that. And I, the goal right now is to be hybrid. I don't know about you guys and, and talking to your colleagues, but I know when I talk to my colleagues, everybody wants that one-on-one interaction, especially for a scientific conference. How can you make connections with your collaborators and really talk about science when it's you're kicked off the platform? So for example, I was at the poster sessions for the 45 minutes where you could engage and I was still engaging and it became 12 o'clock and it was like, Doop, gone, it just gone. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly. So that's the kind of stuff that we could continue on, right? If we were in person, but having a virtual component, if if you think about it, you know, how many times do you have colleagues who've had a baby and they're out on maternity leave, but still want to attend EDW, right? Now you can go in and do it virtually, or you have an accident, broke a leg, can't fly for some reason. Now you can attend EDW virtually. And then for our international members who might not be able to come or it's too expensive to come, they can still participate. So I think it's really just going to open up to a broader audience what we have for our scientific offerings. I think it'll be interesting also, we won't know what's happening next year, but you know, CME uh, dollars for physicians and academic centers are one of the things that probably have gone down a little bit as to how much we can spend a year. So that also may limit it for somebody, I think it's in San Diego next year, right? Yep. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> The plan, the plan. But the plan. I mean, for, for the East Coasters that might not have as much CME dollars, that actually also may be a benefit. So there's a lot more engagement. So we may see that number from 20,000 go up to 25,000 or something. That's right. Especially since the platform and the virtual component went so well this year. And if people were a little hesitant that it wouldn't go over as well, we don't need to worry about that. So we're recording this two-thirds of the way through DDW 2021. It has not finished yet, but anything that you've been to that has just really excited you or something that as you were planning, you were like, I can't wait for this talk so that, because as they listen, they'll be able to engage with it and kind of go back and listen to it. So anything, Rhonda, that you would throw out to the listeners as to check out? Yeah, sure. So you have access to all of the sessions until August. So it's about three months after the meeting. And one of the highlights that I was really excited to hear was our AGA presidential plenary, because our president, Bisher Omri, had one of the keynote speakers from the makers of the Pfizer, you know, COVID-19 vaccine, and it was talking about what it was like to develop the technology and the vaccine, which I thought was pretty amazing. And then he also covered, you know, lessons that we've learned this year from the pandemic as far as clinical practice and research. So I thought the presidential plenary was very well put together with some very interesting speakers and topics this year. The other sessions, now I didn't attend all of these. I was doing some of the nerdy basic science sessions, which I totally love, (laughs) but (laughs) we had new abstracts descriptors on machine learning and artificial intelligence and for new digital technologies for endoscopy and telehealth. And there's been a lot of interest now in this whole AI as far as advanced imaging. So that's a new thing that we offered this year, as well as healthcare disparities. There was all sorts of abstracts. We had 58 actually submissions to this descriptor. So we were able to put together yeah, quite a number of 
different descriptors. And then we also included COVID-19 descriptors this year with 141 submissions for different areas of COVID-19 and GI diseases. So I thought that was pretty cool to keep us relevant and on topic. I've totally been enjoying sort of our basic science offerings. And for those folks, you know, we're just attending DDW for the first time. It's very overwhelming. It's 10,000 people, right? And so how, how do you figure out what's going on? And I, I think the first thing is, I sort of look at it as writing a paper, right? You start broad. So you have three different or four different societies. So you figure out which society you want to attend. So once you narrow it down to AGA sessions, right? Within AGA, we have now a basic science zone, which is a block of rooms that are all geographically located together in one area when it's in person at the convention center. We also have a clinical practice zone, which is the same thing. It's it's a block of rooms all geographically located together so that you're not running from one end of the conference to the other to attend a session that might be in your area of interest. And since IBD is such a huge component of our meeting and we have lots of members who are interested, we actually have an IBD room, which tends to be one of the big ballrooms because it's so hot with everybody, that if you wanted to hear state-of-the-art lectures on management of your IBD patients, you go to that one room, you can sit there all day and not have to move, get out, get coffee, come back in, but you can stay right in that same room and hear everything that you would like to hear as, as far as that. Same thing in our clinical practice zone. We have a themed room, and those are the state-of-the-art talks by your clinical practitioners and expert leaders in this field. You go to that room, and you can stay in that entire room for the entire day, and the topics will change, but you don't have to change that room and be running around. So if you're new to DDW, we're, we're trying to give you a, a meeting within the meeting by creating these zones for you. Anytime you mention IBD, CS just gets very excited. So <laughs> <laughs> That's really good planning. <laughs> and the other thing that we have is uh, for young GI and trainees. Those were the other sessions that I attended. And we have a um, about how to select your practice, how to find your perfect fit in academic medicine with one-on-one -on -one discussions with experts and mentors. I will say one of the things I really liked, and we were talking about this before we started recording, but when I had went to one of the talks that was focused on how to increase diversity within your GI fellowship or your training environment or your division, kind of on all these levels, I went to the continuing conversation afterward and the one thing I actually ended up really loving about the virtual platform versus in person is you awkwardly have to wait at the side of the stage to talk to someone. They may be running off to another session, but this time there was this blocked out 30 minutes to just have basically a conversation in a small group Zoom session, which ended up being really intimate and interesting and, and kind of really nice for extending it and, and being able to really engage with the material, not just hear it. And that was, I think, part of also the training practice uh, area as well. So that whole continuing conversations we did in 2019, and it was just piloted on a few sessions. And those sessions were going to be after the clinical practitioner talked in our clinical practice zone, because people always want to come up and engage with the expert and talk about individual cases and, and folks they might have seen in their practice. And it went over well. And so for 2020, we had extended it and it was an offering after any session to our chairs and vice chairs to program in. And with 2020 being canceled, so we never got to do that one in person. So with the virtual platform, we again extended it. And I think we were able to offer 
I want to say 35, but I think it was probably more than that opportunities for the continuing conversations. And my understanding is everybody's been loving these. So keep your eyes open. So for 2022, we're going to figure out a way to to extend that. Now, in person, we're always going to get into the, the 30 minutes between sessions, right, is for folks to get coffee and figure out where they're going to go next. So we're going to come up with creative ways to see if we can make it, you know, maybe make it 30 minutes and then give you a little minute less time to get from, from area to area or, you know, do a little networking. But we're going to figure out a creative way to make sure that this is included moving awesome. forward. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Speaking of creative ways, how about networking? Let's say this year it's all virtual, but next year it'll be hybrid for those who can go in person. Usually you may bump into people in the hallway, you go to their poster or presentations, and you can chat with people that you've always wanted to meet, and now everybody's in one place in that one year. But if someone's joining virtually this year or next year, what are some ways to facilitate networking that you guys have come up with? Sure. I can tell you about this year now. I don't know what kind of platform or how we're going to do. I don't know if it'll be the same platform or how that'll work for next year. But for this year, we did have our networking center. And when you go into our networking center, you can make connections on that platform. The problem is, is if you didn't get somebody's individual email contact on that platform you can't connect, I think, after like three days after the meeting closes. So by the time that we air to our, to our membership, you can't go back in and, and connect with that person. So one way to get around that is if you go to the AGA website through the AGA community, you can go under membership and you can put in the person that you've met and connect with them through the AGA community. And then they would respond to you. And then you could figure out their email address at their institution. The other way to do that is what I like to do, which is, you know, essentially internet stalk whoever I'd like to meet. So you go to Google, (laughs) you can find them on Google. And then lots of times, if you go to their faculty profile, you can find their email. If that doesn't work, you go into PubMed and you find their latest papers that they've done and you go to the correspondence and their email is usually there as corresponding author. Oh, that's a real, that, that last one was a really good trick. I actually do that. <laughs> Internet stalking. That's how I find folks whose email I didn't get to get in person. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, what's the opening line to that email? Hi, my name is Dr. Rhonda Souza. I know I'm internet stalking you. <laughs> yeah, we try to leave that out of there. It's like, hi, I was re- I was reading your paper. It was a wonderful publication, and I would like, there you go. <laughs> I think for the young trainees, they need to hear that that email starts off on the professional line, just like that. Yes, yes, it does. And then who you are, why you're reaching out to them, right? And then yes, you you read their paper or you saw their lecture. Yes, not I internet stalked you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So are there other, for young trainees that really do want to engage with like a senior author, any other kind of tips that you would give them both from a virtual standpoint or if DDW is hybrid next year and in person, any other kind of tricks of the trade that you would advise them to do as they approach potential collaborators or potential mentors or anyone they really just want to meet? Yeah. I I mean, if you really want to meet them, I just go ahead and meet them. I did this when I was a young fellow as well. And I'll say most GI folks are fun, right? Nobody's going to say, oh, you know, go away. I don't want to meet you. I mean, they're going to be very engaging. My tip though, and this is how I met my mentor, Stu Speckler, is 
I was introduced to him by somebody. You know, I said to him, hey, I and I was a, a house officer at the time. I was a second-year resident. And I was like, hey, I really want to do research. I really want to work with you. And he, he looked at me, and he kind of looked over his glasses and down his nose. And he's like, okay. And then he sort of walked away. And again, when I had this meeting in my head, that was not the way this meeting was going to go. He was going to tell me, that's wonderful. And I've got these great ideas. And I, this is, this is great. I can't wait for you to join me. It didn't happen that way. So what I did is I chased him down the hallway. I actually chased him down the endoscopy hallway and I patted him on the, you know, I tapped him on the back and he turned around. I was like, no, no, no. I really want to work with you. What time am I going to come to your office next week for us to meet? And then it was, it was all good. So if you really want to meet that expert, you really want to work with them. If you want them to be a collaborator or a mentor, you just got to chase them and ask. And what's the worst thing they're going to say? No, you know, or they might say yes, and then they don't respond to your email. So what? Then you find some, you chase somebody else. Can I ask one follow-up to that? I would assume, tell me if I'm wrong, that the next part of that is that when that person gave you the first offering of something to work on, that you then made sure you were on time, high quality, and that there was not going to be anything that, in this case, he could look at and go, oh, I don't know if I want to mentor this young Dr. Souza. Is that correct? That's totally right, Matt. It's totally right. You need to show up. You need to be on time. You need to be engaged because you made it happen, and now you have to see it through. If you're not going to see it through, don't even make it happen. And I think I'm sure most of you guys have heard or you've seen Hamilton, right? Mm -hmm. Either HBO Max or in person when it was in person. Two and two times. I know two I did times. too. I saw HBO Max was amazing because it had it has Lin-Manuel Miranda doing it. And I saw it in Dallas. And of course, he wasn't here. He's totally amazing. But in the beginning, as Hamilton, right, he's got that song. I'm not throwing, what is it? I'm not throwing away my shot. Yep. Right? Yep. If you chase your collaborator, your mentor, and that person you want to work with down, do not throw away your shot. You made it happen, so stick with it and carry it through. Maybe along those lines, was there any tips or advice that really stuck with you that you got from your mentor that you want to pass on? Yeah, you know, I've had two main mentors, Steve Meltzer at University of Maryland and Stu Speckler. But the advice I got from Stu which was advice given to him by his mentor, Raj Goyal. So it, essentially it's advice from my grand mentor <laughs> is that effective collaborations are a two-way street and everybody has to get something out of that collaboration. Otherwise it's not going to work. So just remember, once you chase down your mentor, once you form a collaboration, they're not just going to give everything to you. They're going to want something back from you. So keep that in mind. That's great. So just coming back to DDW for one sec, I know that when I leave DDW, there's like lots of things kind of percolating in my mind, lots of ideas for potential collaborations or research I want to dive into or changes in clinical practice that I want to make. Often, some of it kind of drifts away. I know with the virtual format, there are ways to engage with the DDW material after the conference itself. Could you talk a little bit about that for the listeners that I'm sure have those same feelings? Sure. The entire platform is going to be open for about three months afterwards, sometime in August, either mid or end of August. You can go in on demand and see all of the talk sessions. You can go in and, and view all the posters. 
So at least for me, I've made a list of what I viewed in person. And then I have my backup list of sessions I didn't get to go to that I need to go back to on demand. So I'm looking forward to that. We've always had that option. When you go to DDW, your registration always included DDW on demand and you could go back in. I don't know how many people really use that or if it was at the forefront of your mind that you actually could do that. Now that is virtual, it's a little bit more at the forefront of everybody's mind, but we've always had the option. There's such a millennial component to this of like now you can engage the material on your own time with your own schedule. And especially for busy clinical faculty who are maybe working this weekend, actually couldn't get there. They can still actually engage with everything down the road. That's wonderful. Yeah, I think that's great. I think moving forward, we're going to see this sort of component remain. I don't think this is going to go away at all. That's fantastic. Has the conference's relationship or interaction with sponsors, were they different this year industry? Because usually, you know, we have this giant exhibition booth and a lot of people love to go there during their break time, get a snack, check things out. This year is, a, you know, obviously different. We don't have that giant center. So how has that changed with industry and sponsors? So we do have our exhibition center and they can interact with you. You can interact with them through the networking center and make connections with them. We also have some product theaters that are available. And then we also have our satellite symposias. If you notice on our schedule in the morning from, I think it's seven, they start at seven until our first session. You know, everything's East Coast time. I'm on Central time. So it's nine (laughs) o'clock. It's nine o'clock Central time. And then we have that at the end of the day from like seven till nine. So we do have that engagement factor. Again, it's, it's not the same. And we do have, I think, 85 or so sponsors this year for our virtual platform. We have more when we're in person, but I think that our sponsorship was, you know, outstanding this year as well. That's great. So it's still there in a different format, it sounds like. It's still there in a different format. So... Uh, kind of as we're winding down, Rhonda, is there any final DDW things you want to point out? Or are there opportunities for people to get involved in DDW 2022 since it's the planning is starting so early, as we just learned? In what ways can people kind of get involved? Where would you steer them towards? Yeah, and we would love young GIs to get involved with it to keep us, you know, fresh and, you know, not so stale and and, and keep the fun in the DDW program. We're always looking for abstract reviewers, and we are going to start putting together our abstract review panels by June. That'll keep you pretty busy in the first couple weeks of December if you wanted to do that. And we're also looking for people, our members, to suggest topic sessions and speakers and the other opportunities we're looking for as well. What we have are poster visitors. So when we go in person, right, how many times have you had a poster? You stand there for your two hours and nobody comes by. And it's because people are busy and they're having lunch. And so what we've tried to do from the AGA perspective is we have volunteers as well as leaders within the organization become poster visitors. And they are assigned to go by 10 or 15 posters and engage with our presenters. And thank you for submitting your posters. Thank you for coming and showing us your great science. So we didn't want anybody to feel left out. And those are opportunities that are available for young GIs, mid-level and and senior members of the organization. So if you want to get involved in any of these activities, if you go to the AGA website under AGA leadership, there's a council 
sort of drop-down menu or council page. And there's a link on that page if you want to volunteer for any of these activities that I mentioned. Or if you have any other comments that you'd like to put in there, put under the volunteer or send us an email at AGA Council, AGA Council at gastro.org with any of your thoughts or suggestions or things you might want to see. That's awesome. It's, I mean, I'll speak for myself. CS, I, I know has also, I think, done some of this, but reviewing abstracts and and having someone like that come to my poster, I guess two years ago now was was wonderful as a young faculty member. So yeah, reviewing abstracts is a great way to start getting that so the reviewer wheels turning. And once you review abstracts, then you're good to review papers and other sorts of Absolutely. Absolutely. CS, any final thoughts that I'm leaving out? No, I think this has all been really great. It's really amazing. And congratulations to you, Dr. Souza, and everybody else really pulling this caliber of a conference together, this magnitude. And it really, it's really, truly amazing. Not really like glitches, like, oh, is this going to work? No, login was smooth. Presentations were pre-recorded as well as have a live engaging component. So really, we can see how well thought out this was and how greatly planned it was. And it's really nice to hear that people can still engage after for several months through the learning and sessions and also the networking. So you you guys have really done a great job. So congratulations. Thank you very much for that. Thank you for the invitation to talk with you and, you know, go out there to our young members. Um, and I also need to give a shout out to the, a you know, the AGA and their support and our presidents, but also the AGA council staff, which Ellen Silver's in charge of that with Crystal Young. And we have three other members of our team, Sierra, Moira, and Carol. And it, these ladies made all this happen behind the scenes. And, you know, AGA Council couldn't do anything without them. So we just got to give them a shout out for all their hard work. Nice. And picking a great platform. This has been a great platform. Fantastic. And then uh, last thing. So, Dr. Souza, if someone wants to stalk you, but not necessarily in person, where can they reach you? What's your email? What's your Twitter handle? How can they reach out to you? Oh, yeah, I don't tweet. I don't know. No. <laughs> but I can give you an email. <laughs> Best one is Rhonda, R-H-O-N-D-A dot Souza, S-O-U-Z-A at Verizon, V-E-R-I-Z-O-N dot net. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being here and enjoy the rest of uh, DDW 2021. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Let's get into our sessions. Fantastic. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the AGA podcast. To reach us, please email us at agapodcast at gastro.org or follow us on Twitter at MJWitsonMD, at NinaNandyMD, and at CSCMD. Podcast production done by Resonant Recordings. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening and have a good one.